everybody, and welcome to Prog Notes. This is episode 31. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Pony Namiko by Primiata Bonilia Marconi. Or, or PFM. How did I do? Did you, was that good? That's okay. It's okay. okay. It's whatever. <laughs> it's I, gave okay. It a, I gave it my best run. <laughs> well, if this is your first time joining us, uh, well, welcome. Welcome to our show. Uh, our hope here is to educate and hopefully inspire you to uncover and learn about uh, progressive rock music. And uh, we're going to be talking about PFM today. And there are a lot of great podcasts out there. So we're really honored that you're with us today. We would love to connect with you. So please give us a follow on Instagram and or Facebook to always stay up to date with us. These links are in this episode's description of your listening platform. And we always want to say thank you to all of our patrons for helping this show and these episodes happen. And speaking of Patreon, I just want to give a quick little, uh, I guess we can call it a plug, shameless plug here on our, our Discord. So if, if you guys haven't made it to our Discord, our Discord is a, uh, a chat server uh, that it, that we use for all all and every prog rock fan is, is welcome. It's also in this episode's description as well. But we have a fun little thing that's going to be coming out pretty soon that uh, hopefully you'll be able to find by the time that this episode is up. Uh, but we are doing a Drown With Me by Porcupine Tree cover, uh, including members of the uh, of, of the Discord. So uh, go and check that out. It's gonna be it's 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 really cool. But um, but anyway, let's move on to the record here. Uh, pon- oh, let me see if I can get this right, Drew. Pononimico. No, it's bad. No, All no, right. it wasn't. It was, <laughs> I'm being kind of a jerk. No, that wasn't bad. Pononimico. Pononimico. We're just gonna go with that, and Whatever. I'm not like the authority on this either. I can't speak Italian. I guess you're not. That's just true. What, exactly. So you know what? Yeah. I'll, I'm just gonna. But I, I think it's parunamico. Okay, we're just gonna go with that. Means for a friend. We're just. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start sticking to that for now on. But anyway, this is the second album from the Italian progressive rock. If you haven't already figured that out, from the Italian progressive rock band. Uh, Premiata Foneria Marconi, released in November 1972, uh, the same year as their first release, and was also produced by the band members. So uh, this album runs fairly short. I think this is probably the shortest record that we've done on the show, Drew. I think you're right. I think that because this album is only 34 minutes across five songs. And so, but, but it is considered their breakthrough album, I believe, uh, according to what I found online. All the lyrics are sung in Italian. And this is also the very first Italian prog band that we've listened to on the show. So that's pretty yeah, sweet. that's pretty sweet. We're branching out into Italian prog. This is the very first band and album that we've uh, checked in checked out. So uh, PFM was founded in 1970 in Milan, Italy. Uh, the band name means award-winning Mar- Marconi Bakery. Uh, and so this name was taken from was taken from that of a small town bakery, being yeah. the Oniria. Forneria uh, Marconi. Forneria Marconi was a, Forneria was a bakery. Yeah. And then I think they said they needed something else to that. Yeah, uh, so they added Premiata, which yeah. means award-winning. Right. I don't know why. So, weird name. Weird name. But, I, I don't know. So uh, I found something online. What, were you going to say something? I was just going to say they shortened it to PFM, I think, later on when they were trying to market particularly in the United States because they're one of the few Italian bands that I think got – a lot of recognition over here yep. in the states or at least any 
recognize yep. <laughs> that's yeah, not yeah. totally true but but you know it's it, it's not as popular in the united states as a lot of the other british and american and canadian prog bands that we've covered on the show yep. um historically that's just never been the case and so like when they were marketing it back in the day they were like you know like americans don't know how to pronounce that they just don't they're not <laughs> they don't yeah. know languages like a lot of europeans do because we don't have to so we yeah. just <laughs> we just yeah. don't know a lot of languages so um so they were just like we're just gonna call you pfm and so yeah. that's that's you know they're very well known as just pfn it, pfm sorry at least in the states sorry to cut right. you off go ahead Destin. <laughs> no no you're fine and and it was uh it's funny because they they said that I found something about this because I was like why why the the name and everything but the, I found that the philosophy that according to the band right the philosophy for the long band name was that I quote here if it's more difficult to remember the name mm-hmm. the more difficult it was to forget it mm-hmm. I read that too yeah, yeah. I thought whatever I mean I I guess if it works for them it works but I'm just gonna call them PFM because I can't do Italian. So, uh, but you were right in the, in the sense that they were the first Italian group to have success internationally, uh, and being the only one to chart the U S billboard. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't know if they they were the first or not. Um, I, I think Leorme was, Leorme, yeah, had, they, they started a little bit before them. I don't know if they got recognition in the States before them though, but, um, I don't know. I'd have to do according, some. But, yeah, but, according to what I found online, they were okay. they were the first, or they were the only one to chart the U.S. Billboard. Okay. Um, yeah. Charting wise. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And um, and they're also I think considered one of the pioneers of Italian progressive rock, or what they call RPI. More on that later. Um, but musically, they're known for introducing the synthesizer to the Italian musical world. Uh, they were among the first to combine symphonic, classical, and traditional Italian musical influences in rock music, uh, which does sound very prog in the English sense. Uh, again, more on that later. But in 1972, they released their first record, which made it to number one in the Italian charts. And this was the first time a new band made it to number one in Italy. And during 1973 to 1977, they entered both the British and American charts. So this is a if, if you've never heard of PFM, um, this is a I, this will be a fun episode for you because this is a I think that they've had a lot of success and they've I mean some of these things that I was reading online I was like wow really like that but they're they kind of fly under the radar a little bit so um, but Drew what did the, what did some of the critics or uh, the audience or, or everybody think about this record in terms of a review perspective. What what did they think about this album particularly? I, I think the overwhelming majority really enjoys this record. Uh, the average score on Prague Archives uh, is a 4.4 out of 5. So 1,724 users voted. Wow. At least when I last checked this, it could be updated since. Uh, and 58% of them gave it a perfect score and 30% of them gave it a 4 out of 5. Uh, so 88% think that it's pretty great. Wow. Um, so this this was a, a little review. I'll, I'll read a couple of the reviews because um, I like some of them. So this is from NJ Prog. I'm always up for a good review, you know. Right? I mean? This was from NJ Prog fan. This was written back in 06, 2006. My absolute favorite Italian symphonic album and is for me the template for all other genre, all others in the genre. All you need to hear when it comes to pastoral majesty is to listen to the first song. A piano un po'. 
it has everything that makes Italian symphonic prog so wonderful. Gorgeous keyboards, uh, especially the Mighty Mellotron, whispery precious vocals, delicate guitar and bass, and understated drumming. It is a song as fragile as a thin layer of frost, but oh so beautiful. About four minutes in, you'll hear what I think is the most hauntingly sad but beautiful melody in all of Prague. It just brings me to tears. In fact, if you're a fan of the Japanese animator Hayao Miyazaki, which a lot of people know, uh, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, Laputa, or Castle in the Sky, as it's very commonly referred to. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. The composer on most of his films, uh, Joe, I don't know how to, I'm sorry, it's Japanese, I don't know, Joe Hisaishi, um, uses pieces of this song and a lot of the themes to the soundtrack for some of the films, at least to these ears. Now, I don't know how true that is, but apparently this that's what this guy hears uh, huh. when he's listening to PFM or this record. Anyway, uh, throughout this whole album, there's not one note that is misplaced or out of tune. It is so meticulously recorded and performed that when played aloud, you hear things you'd never hear if played on a lower volume. And yet, it's still delicate at higher volumes. It's not all pastoral, mind you. Generale is a rocking instrumental with Kansas-like violin work. And the album ends on a dark note. If there's any negative I can think of the album, it's the rather short overall length, as you previously stated, Dustin. So if you're yeah. planning on diving into the genre, I would like to recommend this album as your first, one of the greatest prog albums from any country, bar none. Shoot. Uh, I can't help it. Yeah, bar none. I can't. You just can't help it. I, I have to agree with that in terms of, uh, and I'm going to tie it back into the kind of an introduction of Italian prog or RPI. If, if you've never been introduced to Italian prog, I think this is a very quick, concise, but condensed, but also really, really good prog album to start with. Um, as it be, you know, it's not a mon. It's just not. It's not like a monolith uh, or monolithic uh, concept album, or you know, like a, like the Wall or something like that. This is just you know, good music, thirty four minutes, and it's just an easy introduction into the RPI world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, there's another review that was also written in 2006 uh, by Atkin Ghani. Um, PFM, together with other historical Italian prog bands, helped to establish a remarkable and auspicious progressive musical subgenre, demonstrating also that Italy needn't rely only on old Tarantella-like tunes or the sometimes boring San Remo festival style of grandiloquent songs. Musicianship is outstanding. Singing and playing are high, as usual. Italian vocals give a special touch to these songs. There are great themes being developed, and when it seems that all juice is extracted from the fruit, a surprising note or tune appears to stupefy us and take us to an almost dream. Hmm. So I liked what he had to say about that. Um, and yeah, just kind of a, a very brief overview. All Music gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, wow. And that was the official rating, and the user ratings uh, voted on by other people were about the same. It's about the same, 4.5 out of 5, roughly. Um, the official review written by Robert Taylor um, has some things that uh, I have to agree with, with some of the comparisons he makes. He says, the diversity, complexity, and integrity of the music here is as fine as anything produced during the early 70s from other prog rock giants, such as Yes, Genesis, and King Crimson. The lyrics are in Italian and, while used sparingly, make a valuable contribution to the session's integrity. The music is constantly shifting in style, tempo, and tone, but held together by recurring themes. Mauro Pagliani's, uh, Pagliani's? I don't know. I see, this is where I didn't look it up. Your guess is better than mine. <laughs> I know. Pagliani's airy flute is the perfect antidote to uh, Franco Musida's aggressive guitar. 
Wow. Uh, see, these all names I don't know. Dude, I know. Flavio Primolis, guitar, uh, keyboard work. Sorry. Keyboards, yeah. Primolis, keyboard work rivals that of contemporaries such as Keith Emerson and Rick Wakeman. The music ranges from avant garde to hard rock and everything in between. Always intelligent, but without pretension, this is progressive rock in its most literal definition. That's good. Yeah, that's uh, good. Dude, the keyboard player, 100% agree. This oh, guy, I do too. I this guy's incredible. Yeah, we can get to this more later on. Maybe we'll forget. But yes, he's incredible. And it's like super overlooked because you think Dude, of the really prog is. rock giants and like Keith yep. Emerson, Rick Wakeman, and yep. just like what he mentioned there and everything. And man, this guy is definitely... Oh, he's at their level, dude. Yeah, he's at their level for sure. He's at their level. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's hard to achieve. But yeah, he's he should definitely be lumped in with this group of you know these virtuoso. Yep. He's definitely a name that I immediately started looking up as soon as I after after I heard this record. Yeah, he was he was him and and the drummer and I I, you know I'll get on more of that later too. But uh, him and and the drummer uh, Franz de uh, Franz de Chocho. is they're incredible like yeah. incredibly understated but also yeah uh, it's just it's just because of I, I i don't know i guess it's just the exposure that they have in america uh now um i i feel like they have made they were probably uh, relevant then but i don't think that they've kept their relevancy i, I don't know if that's the word of, relevance you know yes the relevance thank you i don't think they've kept their relevance in america after the time of at, at their height, which I think was at this period. And correct me if I'm wrong, you probably saw this when you were looking at the reviews, but I don't remember them having other records that were kind of at this point. I think like the first three records that they did, this the, the one that they did before this, their first record, this record, and the one after were kind of like the golden three. It's, uh, it's what got did. them notoriety. It's what got yeah. them notoriety and, and yeah. people we're starting to pay attention to them. So I think that's probably why it's looked at the most. Um, and, and you know, this era is, and it's also during the era where progressive rock in general was burgeoning, right? These right. were the golden years, not just for Italian Prague, but for Prague in general, Prague all over and, the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was when people were starting to be like, Whoa, this is really cool. We're incorporating some new elements into this rock genre. And there seems to be a common thread with, you know, some classical influences and the keyboards being used and Mellotron being used more. And the plane is a little bit more complex than typical standard, blues lines and you're incorporating a lot of things in here and that you know people say the first prog rock record was in the court of crimson king so it was around then and i know we did sergeant peppers where i think that's where it really kind of started to be honest yeah you know so um yeah if you haven't checked that out i think that's episode five is that there is that our episode, episode five is in the court of the crimson king episode four is sergeant four Pepper. sergeant pepper yeah yeah, yeah. anyway both of those records um so I think this was the time in general where there was a lot of focus on that. I think that's why it gets more attention as well. Yeah. Um, but but I, even from the reviews perspective is what I was really going at is kind of like, I think that the ratings tanked afterwards. I think like it, they, according to what I saw in some forums and stuff like that, they were like, Hey, best PFM albums to check out because they're still active today. Like they still do yeah, stuff. They're still around and, uh, and they're still doing stuff. So they, they went through all the eighties and the nineties and into the two thousands. So they have a lot of records. I couldn't tell you how many to be exact, but, uh, according to what I've seen of people talking about like, Hey, you know, I want to check out a PFM record. Like, where should I start? Or like, what are the, what are the records I need to check out? And everybody's just like, listen to the first three. It dropped off quick. 
Like well, it got bad quick, apparently. Yeah, and you know this. We we only reviewed this record, so I haven't been through their whole discography. Yeah, so and granted, I, I have not heard those records. Right, so. I, I can't say if I agree with that or not. But exactly, I mean, it very well could be. I mean, a lot of bands change, and a lot of people don't like it. Crud. I learned to love '80s Rush, but at first, I wasn't a fan. I yeah, didn't it like it to begin bit, with. Right? And same with a lot of their other fans. I mean, you look on their documentary, and you know some of these hard rockers really didn't like the shift they made in the '80s with the emphasis yep. on keyboards over the kind of hard rocking almost super blues influenced early stuff they had and yep. you know crud i i'm not a huge fan of yes's 80 stuff i'll just be honest like it's yeah. not it's not bad but <laughs> i i personally would not compare it at all with the caliber of music they were making in the early 70s yeah but that's just me i mean you know and everyone has their opinion and everyone's entitled to it um but uh yeah i think this was a very well received record let's put yeah, it that way this record think, you know this turned people's heads yep. uh the average score on sputnik music uh out of just uh 147 user ratings was a 4.3 out of 5 so i think wow. most people when you're looking on like music review sites typically they're really impressed and they think that this album is worth listening to let's put it that way at the least i mean you know just music mm. in general not just prog rock you know yep just in general, yeah. I think most people would say that this is a really interesting record and you should check it out. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I, I, I also saw in a lot of the reviews, this is something we'll get into later as well. It's kind of with their history and everything. Um, we were talking about in the United States, they were referred to as PFM more so than Premiata Forneria Marconi. Right. Right. That's just kind of a mouthful. And um, alongside that kind of whole marketing them in, you know, an American market and also in England as well. They did a couple versions where they made an English version of these songs. Yeah, they put right. it on on a record I think called uh, um, photos, "Photos of, of Ghosts. Ghosts." Yep. Yeah, "Photos of Ghosts." And fun fact: Peter Sinfield, who was the lyricist for King Crimson originally, <laughs> yeah, did his own English uh, lyrics for these songs. Now, the interesting thing is, I would have thought they would have just translated them for people to understand, and that wasn't uncommon. I mean, crud, listen to uh, the Beatles, right? I want to hold yeah. your hand. They did a German version of that and it was just a direct translation. Yeah. Or, you know, and I would have thought, oh, they're just going to translate. No, he wrote completely different lyrics in English, hmm. completely different from, you know, what, what they were originally saying. So interesting. The actual message of the songs was completely different. And did they changed the names. Oh, yeah. What are you talking so about? The, the names of the, the names of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it was yeah. like, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, let me let me keep forgetting, and I have to. Um, I, I need to know this what the is, translation this is of the like record? one of the. I this mean, what? Uh, say again. Well, I was just gonna say this. So that so the record that made it ch that charted in the United States was the one that had Peter Sinfield's leader lyrics on it. No, 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 okay. no, so no, no, no. After, I well, I don't know. In fact, I didn't see Premiata Forneria Marconi, the, uh, sorry, my bad, Perino Mico, the record. I didn't see that it actually charted in the States. Okay. Not initially when it came out. Okay. I, and I, I don't know if, I just looked over that, but I I did not see any, any charting in the States. Got um, it, okay. But Photos of Ghosts, how, when, when was that released afterwards? Or after the record? 
it was like a year later. So it was like okay. a, a year after. It was 73 and 72 was putting the Meikle. Wow. Um, and photos of ghosts. No, you're right. Photos of ghosts did chart. So the American okay. version charted in, in the U.S., yeah. right? I mean, because I guess they, they purposefully marketed it you know, and heavily advertised the English version. The, right. Know, that's that's what lyrics. I was thinking because so I they, that yes. this record did, but I didn't know if it was this version or if it was the English version. So what you're saying is that the photos of ghosts, which is the one that was English, or not translated, but the English lyrics with Peter Sinfield, that's the one that charted in the United States. Correct. And that's it, was, weird. it was 180 out of 200 on the U.S. billboard. Now, granted, the reason I, I, I said I didn't think it did and I had to look it up and all that, but the reason I was skeptical about that is when you look on any of these sites with reviews or anything, all these people, at least in retrospect, are like, no, 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 the Italian the version is the one that you want. Do not yep. listen to the English ver version. Yeah, I hadn't um, even heard it. So I actually listened to it myself, uh, at least one really? song. I listened to uh, A Pena Un Po. Okay. And I, I have to agree. Now, granted, I had listened to the Italian version so much in preparation for this for this yep. episode yeah so it, it was just odd now again this kind of gets into our our opinions which we'll we'll get to later but we're already on the subject so i'll just briefly say that the english lyrics are not bad they're actually pretty good i i listened yeah. or i read the the english versions that peter senfield did and then i read the english translation of the original italian they're both solid I might like, if I were to just read this as, let's say, poetry or something, I might yeah. like the English version better. But when listening to it with the music, there is something about the quality of the Italian language that gives it a bit more character and yeah. and gives it a bit more heart, to be honest. And yeah. maybe that's just because I'm not used to Italian, so it seems kind of exotic and new and and interesting. You know, who, who knows? Um, there's a lot of I mean, the language, that, the that language it. itself is just a it's just a pretty language to to do this. Yeah. Like if you're going to do prog rock in a, in a foreign language, Italian is not that is not that bad. Uh, honestly, right. I, I it didn't like I don't know, I guess as an English speaker and, you know, being in in the United States, that language or the, the Italian language just seems like an easy fit for prog rock just from a uh, from an artistic from an artistic point of view. Well, yeah. and their history of art, right? I mean, right from you know uh, absolutely throughout the ages not just with music though they've been known for that too and a lot yep. of very famous operas and and art from the yep. classical and era and everything yeah were written Vinci. in italian right and well and yeah like that's a very different type of art but yeah the mona yeah. lisa da vinci he's italian yep right and a lot of different things a lot of different pieces of art that i can't list right now because i'm not an art major and i didn't study art very much um but but you know they're known for having, you know, a very artistic background and, and their their contribution to the Renaissance, right? Where, you know, art and science were burgeoning together and they were getting yeah. out of this feudal system and this medieval system and all of that, right? They were innovators. Oh, yeah. So um, interesting. And, and that kind of goes into the history uh, a little bit and we'll get into the history a little bit more when also talking yeah. about, you know, where they came from right before this and in, in the yeah, 20th like the, century the the rock or the italian prog and stuff like that right right um but, but anyway. um yeah hey, let, let, me cover the, let me cover the members of the record just who the the personnel um and i'm gonna butcher this so you know just hang with me here guys uh so the members on this record include uh mauro pagani pagani 
Uh, Bayani, I think. I think it's, I'm not okay. kidding. I think it's like, you know how lasagna? It's not lasagna. Ah. It's lasagna. I think right. this is okay. Mauro Payani. Payani, okay. Uh, who is the vocalist, also plays flute and violin. Uh, Franco Musida uh, is guitar and vocals. Flavio Primoli is the keyboards and vocals. Giorgio Piazza is bass and vocals. And Franz Di Ciocio is uh, drums and vocals. Every single one of them is credited as a vocalist on the record. Um, yeah. All five of them, uh, which kind of reminds me of like a gentle giant sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and also has sort of like, you know, with the the vocal, the flute, the violin, and uh, all, all of that stuff. So, um, but uh, before we uh, go into the kind of the Italian Prague, I'll just, I'll just quickly mention this, that uh, PFM is also, or is often the first of the quote unquote big three of Italian Prague, the other two being Banco and Leorme. Um, so PFM, like we said before, is, is still active today. Um, but I'm not sure about the other two bands being Banco and Leome. Um, but Banco, I think is there. short for, I think the full name of the it band, is. right? Is yes, Banco del like, Mutuo de Corso. Yes. Something like that. Uh, but from what I've seen, uh, it does get shortened to Banco a lot. Kind of like how this gets considered a PF, you know, PFM is PFM. So, um, but like we, uh, like we were mentioning before, this is the introduction of a, I guess you can call it a subgenre of progressive rock or whatever we want to call it, a different style, which is Italian par Italian Prague or RPI, which stands for Drew. Rock Progressivo Italiano. Perfect. So um yeah, I'll I'll just let you talk about this because you did a lot more research on this. You kind of covered this area of just maybe a little bit of the history behind RPI uh and some of the ways that they're maybe differ or are the same when it comes to maybe some of the English prog or even American and so forth. So I'll just kind of let you talk about that. I'll, I'll throw in my, uh, my two cents every now and then. Sure. I, I think that they, 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 they were 100% inspired by stuff like in the court of the crimson King. And I think oh, they were 100%. hearing that. I mean, and you can hear that. You can evidently hear that. Not that they're direct copies, but I definitely hear when I listened to this, even before I looked into any research, immediately when I listened to this, I was thinking, okay, I hear some Gentle Giant. I hear some Yes. I hear some Emerson, Lake and Palmer. And I definitely hear some King Crimson. I hear a lot of King Crimson in this. Um, so you can tell that they were definitely inspired by it. But I, I think that Progressive Rock had a very... Uh, sentimental value to a lot of people in Italy. And yeah. I think that had to do, well, I, I had, I had read a couple of things about it and where they came from. So you can tell that these guys are classically trained. You just can. Their playing is, it's unbelievable. Their playing oh, yeah. on this record is phenomenal. You mentioned that the keys and the drums, absolutely. But the, <laughs> the guitar work is phenomenal too. And the bassist is so solid all of the musicians in here, you can tell, were probably, and I have to look into this more, they're probably conservatory trained, like classically trained musicians. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of Italians in the RPI movement were classically trained. And I think that's yeah. a big element in this type of music is there's a lot of classical influence in there because that's what they were used to playing for a long time. And I, I don't know how, 
I'm trying to to say this, but uh, symphonic prog is often attached to to this. I'll I'll, I'll read a little. Um, yeah, I can see read that. A little snippet from Franco Musita, who's the guitar player for um, PFM. He said, okay. progressive is basically a blending of three elements, the song, the improvisation inspired by jazz, and the composition in classical style. This cocktail is interpreted in different ways in every country. In England, for instance, Celtic, rock, and blues influences prevail. In Italy, we have to cope with our classical tradition, the melodrama, Respighi, Puccini, Mascagni, but also all the contemporary classical composers. It's in this legacy, in my opinion, that the specificity of the Italian progressive rock is concealed. So that's, yeah, they no, have a lot of classic composers as an inspiration for them. Um, sorry, you were going to say something. I, the only thing I was going to say is uh, I was just in, in doing research of kind of the 20th century uh, classical composing and which are a lot of these guys are mentioned in there, especially uh, Respighi and Puccini um, and some of these other guys. Uh you know, which which really got attached to romanticism, uh, which was provoked in in many European artistic, you know, areas around like World War One and stuff like that. But right. uh, I think there was one thing that really held weight when it came to the style of what of what these guys were like and and what they were drawing from. And and let me let me see if you can take this. I'm I'm looking at this right now. I want to read this and. Uh, May not, I'm going to see if I can try and find, because I think it'll give maybe some context to, to what they were pulling from. So yeah, they're pulling from, um, you know, the contemporary classical composers of, of Italy. Um, what, how, how would people describe those classical composers? And, and this is, this is something that I found online that said that, uh, let's see here, in spite of its lingering popularity with opera goers, uh, died in the first world war, romantic music in Italy, however, cannot be said to have died under its own weight as one might say that the overlong and over-orchestrated works of the late romantic music in Germany that gave, gave way to minimalist music, but abstraction and atonality and simply, quote, difficult music did come to Italy after the death of Puccini, which is one of the guys that he mentioned in that quote that you read there. Mm -hmm. uh, among the most important Italian names in the 20th century are music, of some of these guys that has a list here and two of these guys that are uh you mentioned here muscagni and uh, respigi or, or however you pronounce his name are mentioned in this list and so uh which which kind of ties into that that sort of minimalist approach which i found to be very interesting when i'm when listening to this uh after finding that because it really isn't the way that they compose things is just this beautiful texture of layering. I, I, did you notice that? Like how certain mm -hmm. things just kind of like the way that they composed and they and blended together, together they so blended well, so well. Yeah. And, and the layering of how they put stuff on top of each other and the change of tonality and the change of the keyboard, the keyboard sounds that they're using in the synths and stuff like that. They did a wonderful job on this record kind of blending that stuff together, but it's never, it has breathing room. Like it, it breathes. You know, yeah. and and it, it's not in your face. The drums aren't smacking you. It, it, it's not it's not a modern produced rock album, which is very upfront, very in your face. And yeah, uh, granted, we are in the seventies, but which the, the the production of modern to the seventies is much different. But from the composing and the compositions perspective, that is something that I found to be incredibly pleasing 
uh, to listen to with this with this record. Uh, just kind of tying that in with that contemporary classical composing stuff like that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, and that they have like a lot of classical type music in in this with a lot of classical instruments in there. Very much uh, so. I mean, Absolutely. the breadth of of you know instruments included in here is kind of staggering to me and it reminded me oh, of I gentle know. giant i'm like whoa 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 whoa! you've got this and this and this and this and this like yeah so many like you know i don't know if they hired a symphony or if they played it themselves um for some of this stuff because it's like okay you definitely had like a bunch of stringed instruments there and you know like a harp in here somewhere and like you know a, it, it was just it was just crazy yeah. um and anyways uh giving rise to why this was so important to them is uh, I, I, I read a short little essay someone actually posted on Reddit in like a prog rock forum and I was nice. pretty interested in it um, and it was it was very short actually uh, but they're talking about RPI and it says this this new wave of music became popular in Italy but for different reasons than in England in England the focus songs lay on fantasy folklore or surreal scapes except for Van der Graaff Generator which is very popular in Italy, which I think is hilarious because apparently everyone in the world, even Italians, love Van Graaff Generator. But it's, <laughs> you and I are the only ones. It's you and me against the world, Destiny. It's, it really is. Um, the RPI movement. On hearts used, will die. I. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> it says the RPI movement used the progressive rock, uh, used progressive rock to fight against the traditions of a, Italian society to create a new. Um. So, you know, I think that this maybe is referring to kind of this post-World War II type of deal. You know, it seems like a long time, 30 years since, you know, that World War II had ended in 1945. Yeah. But you got to understand how how much it would take to kind of rebuild society in general after that, especially to Italy, which was on the losing side. They were allied with Germany. Right. And uh, they yeah. were under a fascist dictatorship under Benito Mussolini. Right. And I, I think that, I mean, you know, being a country that, that lost and was under a grip of a totalitarian state for so long, it's going to take them a little bit more to adjust to a kind of freer way of thinking. And I think that this was that progressive rock was kind of more experimental it was more artistic and for them it was rebellious now initially when i read this i was thinking oh that's not too different from england and well england and you know even rush and canada with their kind of rebelling against the record labels or whatever um but i i don't think it's it's more significant i think for them because Britain and you know Canada and all that. Yes, they, like don't get me wrong. There's there's a type of uh, you know kind of stamping out of creative control when you're kind of subject to a record label. Blah blah blah. I think that's kind of different from a political and societal landscape that the Italians were kind of facing. The you know the couple decades after trying to kind of rebuild their their state and their way of thinking. Um, it's just interesting to me, uh, kind of their their history included into this. But it's interesting because I, when I think of rebellion and rebellious music, I think of punk. I think of punk rock. Like that's yeah. the first genre that I think yeah. of when I think of rebellious music because I think 
that is the definition of punk music. Why you're making it, it's just to piss someone off or, you know, someone who deserves it or it's raging against the, you know, the machine, you know, this kind right, of stuff. Right, right, right. Um, I don't think of prog rock when I think of that. Not that there no, are parallels, because, yeah. I mean, look at our Animals episode where we talked about how Roger Waters was kind of giving a middle finger to or a Or 2112. Of, right, or 2112, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But this, this was different, and uh, when I listen to this music, I don't think this is a rebellious type of music, but in a way it was. And I think that's a very interesting paradigm I just hadn't looked through before. I hadn't, I hadn't had set in my mind was that this music right here, it's very creative and free. And like you said, it breathes. It's very artistic. Yeah. I don't get this sense of rebellion from it. No, but it, like a, like almost like an anger or some sort of like right. passionate I don't anger sort of, yeah. in this. No. But according to this, you know, essayist, um, it was a type of rebellion. Um, it was something new and creative uh, that was against their history and these preconceived notions of what music should be. And we've kind of covered that, I think, in previous episodes, too, and how prog rock was that for a lot of people as well. But um, I mm -hmm. think when you, I don't know, for me, I just, I, I, it looks a little bit different when I put in the context of they were under a dictatorship for a couple of years and yeah. they were allied with, you know, the Nazis and, and Germany. Yep. And then, of, of course, granted, this is a, a fair amount of time, right? 45 is when, you know, we officially declared that World War II is over. Yeah. Uh, not that I the think, after I effects think the was year, done. I think the year after, I think 46 is when Italy d declared a republic. Okay. Yeah. So and, there you go. And this yep. was 72. So this was a little yep. less. This was about 25-ish years yeah, or because so, I think the fifties, the fifties and the sixties was around kind of their economic miracle is what I think people would call it. But then furthermore, mm -hmm. like I think this, uh, just leading up into this as well, this is 72. If you go to 1966, I think that's when all of the, uh, the floods in Venice and Florence happened. Uh, mm. I, I don't remember I, because they're from Milan. So I don't know if they lived there when they were recording all this or whatever. I could go and look up the studio that they recorded this stuff at, but I don't know if they got affected by that, but certainly the country was affected by that. Right. Well, and I always think of, I, I just, you know, this is kind of, I guess, a narrowed way of, of thinking. Uh, but I always just think of when I think of the counterculture revolution, I always think of just America or Britain, particularly like true Amer America with like hippies, peace, yeah. sexual exploration, doing drugs, all that kind of stuff. That was the counterculture revolution going on during, you know, this kind of like red scare stuff where it's like communism is the worst and blah, blah, blah. Yep. And, you know, it's kind of militant outlook from, uh, you know, a governmental standpoint uh, against something, again, like communism or even thinking freely. Because when you do that, you're going to, I mean, let's think of like the crucible, right? That okay. was a play, right? That was a play written by yep. Arthur Miller, right? And this was in the 50s, and this was supposed to be kind of a parallel to the, the Salem witch hunt, right? The, well, okay, sorry. Yeah. So it, it is the Salem witch hunts. That's the, the backdrop of this thing. But it is supposed to be a parallel to McCarthyism and the Red Scare in the 50s and 60s and how everyone was saying, oh, you're a communist. We're going to take a communist, questioning. Gonna, you are right. a threat to the nation and yep. to our security, blah, 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 because you yep. know, the Soviets are communist, and you're going to give them information. They're going to nuke us, and we need to nuke them. There was Boom. this paranoia yep. going on. That was a really good summarization of that. And um, so anyway, so, you know, the counterculture revolution was these younger people being like, no, don't do that. And, you know, this is stuff that a lot of people know, but I always find it interesting. In fact, I've always said that if I were to go back in time uh, and visit 
back a certain period. There's so many amazing periods in history, but I would, I would be super interested in the 1960s in America. Just, really? I would yeah, go back to the Renaissance. There's so, I mean, the Renaissance would be, I mean, again, it's hard to say, but to me, it's just really interesting. Uh, the, everything that was going on in the sixties, especially in, in America, maybe just American history. Let's narrow it down. Cause we're a pretty young country. So, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> that true. helped. So I don't know if I'd say any point in history, but in American history, I don't know, maybe the sixties, it was just a very interesting time, I think. Uh, yeah. but, um, I always think of just America, but it looks like this was happening in Italy too. This, this, you know, progressive rock was coming to them and they were also trying to kind of, explore different topics topics that were kind of taboo and prohibited in a way and uh anyways it's just it's just something that i i I don't often think of but i think a lot of the world in general was changing pretty significantly after world war ii which makes total sense because it was so destructive um that stuff has to change you you, there's no (laughs) once you're rebuilding once you're reintegrating you know all this stuff you know it's, everything changes after something yeah. like that. So, anyways, no, definitely. Um, yeah, that's, that's and an out of it, a lot of brilliant music was made. I mean, I think this record's phenomenal. So, yeah. Anyways, that's interesting. So Italian prog is just kind of like I've always thought of the uh, taking from from an English perspective, right? And and I think listening from any, I think you even said this earlier. It's like from an English perspective, we're listening to this and we think a lot of like, oh, I hear ELP here, you know, or I hear, mm-hmm. uh, I hear Gentle Giant here or, or yes, or, or whatever. It's like, oh, I can hear some of those bands, but I'm, I was also thinking about this. And I think I messaged you about this, like taking into account that this is in 1972, this is a 1972 release. So I'm sure the Italians, I mean, I'm, I can't say this for sure, but I'm sure the Italians were saying about English music. There's like, oh, this sounds like PFM. Oh, this sounds like Bronco. Right. Right. So I think it's like we all need to take into consideration the fact that when listening as as well as having some historical context, because I think most of everyone listening to the show right now has either come across or have been listening to English progressive rock for a while, if not decades. And so we have this, quote unquote, uh, baseline of of what we consider to be the 70s progressive rock style. You know what I mean? Like the, the 70s rock giants. Right. So I think that before we listen to this album, if you have not heard this record and you want to listen to it after the show, um, I would highly recommend before going into it, sort of like clearing your listening palette so you can fully taste what this band and fully hear what this band has to offer on the album. It's You know what it's like? It's like sushi and the ginger root. You know what I'm talking about? You know no. what I'm talking about right now? The freaking the no. ginger root. So like when you get sushi, you know that like you know that pink stuff that comes on the plate with with, yes, the, with the wasabi. But I just don't eat sushi that often. Okay, I- okay. So <laughs> let me let me inform you with this for for uh, so like the ginger. So that's ginger root. But I know what it stuff. is. Yeah, right. I know what so it is. The purpose of it, the purpose of it, the way that they have that set, they have on there is to clean the palate before you get other sushi. So like. That's that's the whole point of the okay, yeah. People just eat it, you know, for whatever. I guess Americans, we just eat it. Yeah. I guess if if they, they don't cleanser. eat it at all, yeah. But it's a yeah, palate yeah. cleanser, right? Yeah. And so, like, I think that's kind of before you go into it. I think that's kind of what we need to do is sort of deconstruct all of like, okay, I'm not going to just start relating this to everything. Kind of listen because it's in, in context. Like, if this came out 20 years after, sure, I would be like, yeah, they got some callbacks to the 70s prog and stuff like that. Um, but but they they don't like this is 72 close to the edge 
has not been, wait, no, Close to the Edge was 71, right? No, it was 72. 72, yeah. Close to the Edge came out the same year, you know. Uh, right. In the Court of the Crimson King, it had only been out for three years or something like that. Um, right. So, like, this is this is right in the midst of all of that uh, progressive rock incredible work that was going on. And so, uh, which which gives me way more respect for this album um, after... Uh, sort of, sort of listening, listening to it with that, with that fr- uh, frame of of thinking. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. This is, um, again, I think it's more symphonic than any other group, and I can understand why people would attach symphonic prog to this. Um, I think one thing I really enjoy about this record is it's very dynamic. Um, Definitely, dude. Absolutely. But I, I know, you know, and they're pretty popular, but RPI in general, I mean, you know, if you talk to any of the fans out there, they'll be like, yes, PFM is kind of the big one, but you should really dig into these other ones. From what I found out, uh, it seems like PFM, Leorme, and uh, Banco. Banco were the, the, the three big ones. Yep, the big three. And Yeah, the big three. And PFM went on to have success. A lot of Italian prog bands did not have as much success. And I think, I think actually a fair amount of them, a lot of people are like, this record's great. And you look into the discography of that band and you're like, wait, they only made like, like two records. Maybe it's like, yep, yeah. that was it. That was it. And a lot of, I think a lot of them were like that. It wasn't uncommon for that to happen where it's like, Oh, this record's great rather than this band's great. And if that makes any sense, simply because of their longevity, oh, not that the band wasn't good, but it's like, Oh, this record by this band is great, but they were pretty much around to make that one or two records. And that was it. Yeah, that's interesting. They they kind of fell into obscurity. But, you know, people who are really into RPI, really into Italian Prague, will say, you got to check out this this one record by this band that only made this one record. Yeah, but it's, it's got deep it's got deep roots. Like if you really want to dig into that the RPI world, um and like we like we said before, this is a great record to start with in in our opinion. Um but it's it's got deep roots. Like there there's a lot a lot out there. Like a lot of bands and um that I've I've seen. I mean, I didn't even hear all of them. Didn't hear any of them really. Um, but I just know that they're out there because I saw people talking about them and and on the forums and on the you know the Prague archives and uh, just all over the internet and stuff like that. There, there's a lot of albums and a lot of music to check out um, in in the RPI world. Right. Hey, flash question for you: If you had to pick a big three of English prog rock bands, who would you pick? Ooh. That's tough. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot. Here we go. Um, English. For English. Uh, Genesis. I'd agree with that, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of all the different ones. Probably Genesis, King Crimson, and... Probably yes. That's what I was thinking too. Genesis, yes, I think and that King that's Crimson. that's what a lot of people would say. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's also like the big three that historically and kind of factually you would say, and then the big three that you would you like right. the most. Yeah. So right. I I think the biggest were probably yes, King Crimson, and probably Genesis. Yeah. I mean, ELP was big, and so was Gentle Giant, but yeah, I, I think that ultimately. Those, Maybe shaped it a little three. bit more or something. Yeah, I agree. They, they were pioneered it a bit more. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. 
I'm going to play um, one of these songs in here. I'm going to play Il, Il Banqueto. Il Banqueto. Um, I, I, I read on a, a, a Yes forum, Yes fans talking about prog rock. Um, someone didn't really care for the term RPI, or Rock Progressivo Italiano. Oh, um, oh, really? People don't like subgenres? Is that they don't is like somebody else not like subgenres? Huh? And labels and huh? all that. But <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was interesting. It's something that we've kind of discussed on this show before. Uh, and I thought this was interesting. Someone had said, you know, I understand that it's a legitimate category, at least to many, but not to me. And yes, I'm aware of Prague Archives and their designation of a subgenre called RPI. Like I said, lots of countries have and ha and have sorry, have and had Prague. Right now, the most influential country for Prague seems to be Sweden. I think this was written, by the way, at around in like 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Uh, it seems to be Sweden, and I would even say that the Swedish scene rivals the Italian scene from the 70s. No self-respecting Prague fan doesn't know who Anglegard is, for example. And yep. yet, there is no Prague Sweden musica or any term that would be equivalent to RPI. I just disagree with the singling out of one country to make up an entire subgenre. Not unless we do it for other countries. And no, I don't think that kraut rock counts, which to me is also an almost derogatory term. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I think Italian prog is great, uh, but I don't think it should have its own subgenre, at least not at the expense of others. Other people I've spoken to agree with me, and in fact have mentioned it. Um, have mentioned it first, i.e., that it's silly for just one country to have its own genre when others don't. <laughs> so. <laughs> so funny i mean it, i i can see that because it's just kind of like okay you got you got i mean you, you have progressive rock bands in america you got progressive rock bands in italy you got progressive rock bands in sweden you got progressive rock bands in, in norway you got progressive rock bands in australia like yeah you know what i mean like but if, but i get yeah. it too i get it like if you're gonna if, you, if they're of every single country gets their own subgenre right. what what does that mean right that 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 seems very yeah just uh, uh what's the word i'm thinking of superfluous yeah superfluous yeah it just that's that's the best thing i do. but but i mean completely unnecessary extraneous yeah yes I and mean, it's just that's that's really but so i totally i totally understand that but i do think that um just from from the nature of historical context of of the country um I th that shapes the music that comes out of that. I think that's really what needs to be more of the focus, not coming off of the subgenres, you know, like not trying to come up with subgenres, but just just look at the his just look at the country's history, and right. and you'll hear where stuff came from, you know, like I mean, you said like Anglegard and in Sweden, and there's like you know Anecdoten and the Flower Kings and Beardfish and uh. Uh, I can't think of any uh, uh, Andromeda. There's like a couple of them that, you know, but like if you want to go into those bands, like just look at the history of Sweden or look at the history of Italy and determine like, oh yeah, this is what they're pulling from or what they say that they're inspired by. And there's going to be right. crossover. Like there are, there's always going to be crossover because we English speakers are listening to Italian Prague and right. Italians are probably going to listen to Swedish Prague, I, you right. know, whatever. So, I'm 100% in agreement with that guy with, with what he was talking about with that thing. Right. What's and his name? What's because... his name? I want to add him on Life Ground. No, no, no. You're not doing it on LinkedIn. I want to add either. him on LinkedIn. Not... No, no. <laughs> it, and I maybe it was just because it was like really kind of the first groups to come after Britain. 
right? In, in this kind of genre that was notable, that had a movement Pia, that was identified. Well, it, Italy, the country, oh, sorry, oh, 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 the country okay. in general. So maybe that's why it got its own genres. It's like, oh, this is in a different language, a pretty different culture. And it was just the first one that came after. And yeah, you, like it's different. So we're just going to call it Italian prog rock, but you know, rock progressivo italiano. And it just right. kind of came to pass throughout history. It's like, yeah, you just call it that. It just was called RPI. That's huh. how you know it. And it's not like we're trying to make a big deal out of it. I mean, you know, like it's just they were the first afterwards. And it seemed kind of distinct because it had its own language. It wasn't in English. And this was the first country to do it after England, really. You know, yep. that that was that you could identify and be like, that sounds very similar to these other prog rock bands, but it's Italian. So it's Italian prog rock. And in Italy, maybe they called it rock progressivo italiano. Right. And so people just started referring to it as RPI. Yeah. That's what I think happened. And it's, uh, yeah, it just kind of came to pass that. It, it makes sense. Yeah. It was just RPI. So Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's probably why, uh, I mean, I would assume that maybe people in Italy would refer to American progressive rock as American progressive rock. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's just, that's because that's what we called it. And so in, in our respective language. And so Italians call progressive rock in Italy, you know, RPI. So the rest of the world sort of conforms to what they're describing this genre of music. Right, being, right, right. Kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the sound of like, we, we like the sound of this music and, and the sound of RPI. Um, what what would you say if you had to if you had to give like a brief summarization of what to expect musically from this genre? I'm not even going to call it a genre. I'm just going to call it from RPI. You know wh- wh- how how would you how would you explain it to somebody? Um, I would say very dynamic. But again, that's really just with this this record in general as context, and you can't just take one record to represent an entire thing sure um so i i would say um yeah very dynamic i mean listen to the song we're listening to right now il vencetto it's got a lot of different this is a wild record it's yeah um and there's a lot of different movements um it's very it's very classical too. It is. Uh, and they incorporate some rock elements in there, but that's why I think it's very dynamic is there's some stuff that's kind of pretty out there and has some very modern instrumentation. Yeah. But it always feels like it has kind of this classical backdrop to it, even with the kind of more raucous parts. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it really does seem, it seems kind of highbrow to be honest. <laughs> I like it a lot. I, I really, mean, really too. like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's, it just, it's, it seems like the, the compositions were very meticulously thought out, but it's funny because I mentioned that they, they mentioned kind of improvisation in there too. So it's kind of groovy, but I don't know. It just seems very composed in a good way. I'm, I'm good so way. glad that you said that because that was one of the, the things that really kind of stood out to me is that, you know, and I think I mentioned this earlier with just like the, the, oh my, this section it's so good. so good. Hold on a second. That reminds me of the beginning of The Lamb. That piano part. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. Right. Um, anyway, sorry. That, that section is so cool. 
Um, but yeah, I'm so glad you said that because the layering of this stuff and like how they put the instrumentations on top of each other and how everything is put together. It's just, there's just great soundscapes. And, you know, which one, one has to have great mixing to, to help everything breathe so well. But two, you're right. Like it's got to have very meticulous, well thought out arrangements. You yeah. know, um, I like this record a lot because it just seems well thought out. With, yeah. with different sounds used, which are a lot in 34 minutes, as well as the the moods and the movements, like you were saying, like they yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of material packed into just this 34 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of the Chan episode that we did with that record with Grow, and like yeah. there's just a lot of stuff thrown in on this record, and, and but kind uh, of the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not nearly as in your face as far as energy is concerned. Oh, most definitely, yeah. And so, <laughs> and and another thing I noticed as well is that they don't really play around a lot with time signatures and stuff like the English bands were doing, but it's, yeah. it's, much, more, it's much more nuanced and has a lot to offer um, like between the lines, if you will. Um, right. You know, it feels it's, it's really bright. feels really warm. The album art they do, has bright they, colors. There are some unconventional time signatures in there. But I think so. It doesn't but it's, seem as prominent. It doesn't, yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you listen to a lot of the English stuff, you're like, whoa, that's obviously a really weird beat there. What are they doing? It's a weird accent or emphasis on this note, on this beat. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I just don't notice that in here. It's just a very fluid record. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Moon Madness, when we did Moon Madness by, by Camel. It just has like this sort of just nice flow to it. And uh, and and but then again, it's it's not it's not like a chill cosmic rock record. Like it's still very experimental, um, and and uses a lot of nuanced yeah. instrumentation. Well, Generale is so it's so zany. It's oh, so dude, crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's really um, bizarre. Should we go into the illustrations and impressions? Should we talk about that? You want to go over think, that? Yeah, and then we can do our opinions. I yeah. mean, we've already given some of them, but dude, absolutely, we'll, we'll give some more. We'll give yeah, some more. Let's, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. well, let's let's let everybody know this was this is a this is a new segment that we're introducing to the show to the show called illustrations and impressions. This was uh, voted on by our patrons. Um, so, if you'd like to become a patron, you can visit prog or patreon.com slash prognotes. You get to vote on topics and or records that we'll be doing on the show. And so if you'd like to do that, just uh, check the link in the description. But this is Illustrations and Impressions. that end i love it it's <laughs> great so what is what is illustrations and impressions drew what are we what are we doing in this segment we're talking about the artwork and we're giving our impressions on the artwork on the which artwork. i think is actually really fun it's a fun idea to do i like this yeah uh, we've talked about artwork on some of the records on the show before but it's really kind of just it's been kind of touch and go there are some episodes we kind of emphasize it more and other episodes we don't but I think this is kind of a cool segment. I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this is, uh, we, we have not spoken anything about the album artwork between you and I. Um, so this is just going to be one of those things that we, uh, we'll just, we'll just see, we'll just see how this goes. I'm interested to see what just, what your thought, but obviously if people are, uh, if you haven't, uh, I don't know if anybody's listened to the episode and you can want, and you want to pull up 
the album artwork as we talk about this uh, and just your thoughts and your impressions on on this on this album artwork. Um, but uh, how, how would you if, you if you had to take three words, I know I'm using this number three a lot, the big three, three word, whatever. Um, if you had to use three words to describe just what this album artwork depicts, because it's quite wild. In in my opinion, um, it doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. But what what would you use, or how would you describe this this album artwork um, in three words? You're putting me on the spot again. Three uh, paradoxical. I like that. Um, comforting. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the third one. Yeah. Comforting and. Mm-mm. Uh, what's the, what's the word? I don't know. Um, you got a synonym for it or something? I've got, well, I've got, yeah, kind of meticulous. Concentrated? Concentrated? Like, like, like it's, it's concentrated in the sense that I can, I think that someone was concentrating very hard. I can imagine someone picking up the pencil to draw this and in a very concerted effort to do that. It hmm. doesn't seem free form. Let me put it that way. Oh, gotcha. like, I'm just going to okay. draw whatever. This seemed premeditated. Yeah. Maybe okay. that's the word, but yeah. Premeditated. Even that, yeah. Even that seems not exactly like what I'm looking for, but yeah. Okay. It's, it's not, it's not wrong either though. So I'll, yeah. I'll do that. So paradoxical, premeditated and comforting. Yeah. Um, I found in the, uh, the liner notes of the record that this was uh, drawn, painted, whatever this is. Um, by uh, Cesar Monti. Um, and so uh, I, I, I honestly, and this is just the honest truth, I could not find a whole lot of information about him because on his uh, website, apparently he's worked with a lot of uh, exclusively Italian groups and Italian art and other things in that, in that realm. Um, but obviously the, his website, amongst other things, is all in Italian. And so uh, I obviously cannot read that, um, but I can give you the name, which is Cesar Monti. But uh, I think you're right when uh, when it came to like premeditated. This doesn't just it doesn't seem like somebody just threw this together. But it's like uh, for anybody who doesn't have the artwork in front of them, uh, what we're kind of looking at here is a a room, uh, and it almost it's almost as if you're first person looking in the room. Uh, and you have on one on one end of the room. So say you're up against the wall and you're looking into this room and you have pink walls. Um, but then the far wall that's is directly adjacent from you. That's, yes, that's directly in front of you is uh, a, a clear blue sky with little clouds on it or in it. And um, and so I, I don't know if that is supposed to mean that there is no wall there and we can see the sky or if it's a wall that's painted as the sky. Well, and it, the, the ceiling is the same. It kind of mirrors it. The ceiling yeah. is but also it doesn't cover the whole, sky, it, doesn't it doesn't cover, cover the whole, the whole ceiling because it has a very large, I will just say, use the word border yeah. outer edge that seems like wood paneling or something yeah. like that. But also if you look at the clouds, edge. if you look at the clouds into the, into the ceiling, Drew, 
you see how the clouds are also the same shape as the ones on the wall? Yes. Because yes. Because what I would think is, wouldn't those be flipped if that was a mirror image of what was being seen from outside? Because you would see those clouds in that mirror. I don't think it's a mirror. I, I maybe I use the word mirror wrong, but it's the same type of. It's still a blue sky. It's the same color of the sky. It's the same clouds. So it's but almost like it's almost like since a, it's the opposite um, wall and the ceiling, it's not a direct mirroring because they're perpendicular, right. not parallel yeah. to each other. Right. That's what I was thinking it possibly was at one point was like, is this a mirror? Because is it trying to tell us that it's we're mirroring what's from like on the on the other wall? Or if it's almost like a sunroof. Yeah, you know I, I think of it like a sunroof. Yeah. But it is kind of bizarre that it would have it on the ceiling and here. And who knows what's on our perspective if we're like if it's also the same on this side or if it's pink, like the two walls on the left and right. Yeah. It's um, really, it's really quite weird, but also in the center of, in the center of the room. Right. So no, um, and it's a fairly small room, um, that, that we're looking in. Um, th there's a table, uh, I'm guessing a table. Uh, it's, it's going, it's, it's a long, it's a rectangular table and we're looking at the long end of the table. So we're kind of looking down the long end of the table and, uh, the bottom of it is like a, I don't know, would you, I would describe that as being like some sort of a black marble. I some, don't know. Something like that. Because the texture, the, the texturization of this. Uh, it's of, not clear. It's not it, clear. It doesn't look like marble. It doesn't look like a slab. It looks yeah. to me like wood. Oh, you're, you're getting like, like a wood vibe. I get a wood vibe, but yes, color-wise, it doesn't look like wood. It looks black, and I see why you thought like it was marble or something. Yeah, type like maybe a marble or something. Yeah, something sort of sedimentary. Of... I don't know. It's it's right. weird. But in the middle of that as well, it's there's a there's a heart that's that's it's carved out, out of it's that. Carved yeah, out, and you can see the floor, which the the floor is it's just yellow. Like just, yeah, like wood. It almost like looks like yellow wood. planks of wood. Yeah, right. That that are put up right up next to each other. Um, which is which is weird, and then on top of that, the, the top of the table uh, is that a man sitting? Yes, it's a it's well and on the top of the table. It's like a green. I don't even want to say. Field. It's almost like a park. It's like a park. It's almost. kind of like a park. It's got uh, of a, a couple of different trees. Looks like different types of trees too, just based on how the branches are, you know, are formed and and how their shapes. Yeah, a couple of different. But no, you say park, but there's no benches. There's no road at all. No, but it does it look looks like there's like maybe just... some trails on it. And the very, if you but the, very the grass front, is very short. Like the is. trees are tall, but the grass is very short. Yeah. Um. And then yes, you say at the very edge, there's a man reading a newspaper with his legs hanging over the edge. Yeah, he's very close so, to the edge. So, um, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, but uh. Yeah, so that's a brief description. Yeah. Um, Furthermore, there's also paintings on the walls. On the there's three yes. paintings on each wall, and uh, it's, this is weird. They're man. all it's, different. They're, they're all, all different. different. Uh, they're all different sizes. Different colors are used. One is like with a field with a balloon, almost in like this big farm. Uh, another one seems to be. This is the left wall. Another one seems to be kind of like a maybe a beach. Like I'm seeing maybe some shells or sand. Yeah, of some sort like a, a coastal, a coastal, coastal town or feel, where and then it's an, like, yeah. yeah, and then the other one, the very uh, the, the one that's bottom on the bottom, uh, which by the way, these these are not they're not parallel to each other. They're, they almost just look slapped up on like just on the wall. Um, there there doesn't even Wes Anderson did not direct this photo. 
there's it's just kind of there's some there's some symmetry here though Um, there's some some symmetry symmetry, yeah there is some symmetry with the room but the painting specifically like how they're placed on the wall and stuff like that they're those they're not mirrored each other on on both walls right um and so uh, yeah and then there's there's like one with some water and stuff like that and uh, there's another one with like i don't know if it's like a mermaid or something in the water in the night sky and she has like blonde hair and it's weird man and then i I don't know but taking into account the actual name of the record which is the the english translation is for a friend so so yeah what 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 do you got well i i just i i I don't know why (laughs) name i I don't know well no i also thought just super quick it's a fun fact that uh it's not this is not for this record like you said it's someone else but a lot of italian prog bands apparently made their own artwork like they drew it uh i think that's just kind of an italian thing to do uh they made their own artwork which i think is really kind of neat um but not this one um yeah i i like that it's hand drawn and you can like totally tell that you know nothing against newer albums or anything but i don't know just it's nice it gives more of a, a a real feel a bit more character to it you know yeah uh, i think that this is this looks like a pencil drawing more than a painting it looks like yeah i think so or like a like a painted. watercolor or something i, I don't know right it, it, needless the, to say it's very bright it's 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 a very yes. bright colored i mean pink walls yellow floor blue well sky. i like the colors a lot i was gonna Me say too. when i noticed this the pink and blue are very light while the green on the table is it's, it's a tad darker yep and the uh, black on the bottom the, yep and the black on there I, I really like the texture like i was saying earlier that they put on the table leg uh you know it looks like like the bark of a tree i yeah. think it gives the table more character and uh this is a stretch here but i said it's almost like the table was crafted by a friend or for a friend uh to incorporate ah. the album title uh that's not actually why i think they named it this i don't know uh-huh. Uh, it could be that this is completely separated from why they named it that. It could just be, you no, know, this is just a cool piece of artwork that we liked and we asked this dude to do, and it's cool, and it might not pertain to for a friend at all. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, we didn't even, I don't even think we mentioned this, but the ceiling, you know, we said that there is a, it, like almost like a sunroof, but the, the, the outside, like the rest of the roof that's not the sky is these orange and uh, sort of yellowish orange uh, lines that don't seem to have uh, much symmetry here. It just it just kind of waves next to each other, uh, which I find to be the the strangest part of the whole album cover, in my opinion. Like that orange with the lines and stuff like that, because I don't know that like the pink, blue, and yellow like has this sort of uh yeah they all seem kind of like pastels like a lighter tint to them yeah and then the orange just kind of i don't know like the orange just kind of throws it off for me a little bit yeah i agree and so that's why i say that's part of the reason i say it's kind of like this piece has a weird juxtaposition between it it seems paradoxical in that sense right that just kind of throws it off and it gives this kind of bizarre thing for me it's also has a weird juxtaposition between confinement and freedom because the room feels very small and almost perfectly cubic. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a prison cell being confined. Yeah. Um, and it's so meticulous that it seems like, again, it's only there to, to store something or to confine something, you know, uh, restrain something maybe. And yet 
the background shows an open sky with the clouds. And yeah, that's good. The the top of it, you know, has that too. It, there's like two openings you can go. It's really interesting. Um, so to me, like the open skies and clouds, I see that as not like oh, this is just how the room was painted. It's like no, like this is actually like you step out and you're gonna fall down or you're gonna yeah, fly. That's that's exactly how I've I was saw, like this is a, this is you you jump out you can jump out of this room yep. into the open sky and the sky looks very inviting. I like that that tint. Yeah, the blue. Yeah, um, very. And the clouds are very simple, but it just seems like you could really get lost in wherever you're about to jump out of, and in a comforting way. So I really like that. But again, the room itself feels very confined mm -hmm. and confused. Anyways, yeah, kind of. That's kind of the word I'm getting here. Just when looking at this, like I'm, I'm confused as if what is this room's purpose? Right. right? What's the like, room's what, purpose? What is and, the purpose of this room? And right. What what is like honestly the only you know what I think of like I'm think this table in the middle like what it seems like to me is it almost seems like a uh, almost like uh, what is it one of those things where I guess it's a uh, a smaller version of like a a 3D map of like hey here's like a park that we'd like to propose to city council. Right, to, a model. To get the, yeah, a yeah. model of this, and it's like here's what we'd have here, and we have these little tree, and it's like a 3D model of what this, of what like a new park would look like, or something like that. And, but, but yet again, it's still right. But why is there confusing. why is there no bench? What for the man to sit on? Why is he sitting at the edge of it? Yeah, why is real. he sitting That's, on the edge? I, I don't know, bro. I don't know. But hold on, I'm gonna zoom in on this guy. Can you read anything? That's, that's, no, I can't. It's you can't way read too. anything. No, no, I can't. But yeah, it's just, you know, what's the man? What's he doing there? Yeah, why is he on the edge there? It's not, I don't think it's exactly a park, or if it is, it's a section of the park where you can't, like, sit down on a bench or whatever. You have to yeah. sit on the grass and all this stuff. So it's, yeah, it's interesting why he's there, uh, why that man is there. I was it's also really, really intrigued by the font. Of yeah. Premium. And also, which the fact is listed that they don't at the put bottom. The album which is listed at the bottom and they also don't put the name of the album they put the name of the band and that's it so that's, they have yeah premiata forneria marconi but they don't have parunamico it's just yep. that it's just the band name at the bottom and it's in this militaristic font like you see it in like the crates and you know movies that have a lot of war action or have very sensitive or explosive uh you know explosives in the case or something like that um or ammunition yep that's the kind of font it is that you see in a lot of military, um, you know, movies and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, what that's reminding me of is actually, um, is brain salad surgery. You know how the bottom of it, it has ELP, but it doesn't have brain salad surgery on the actual right. album cover itself. Right. Um, it, it kind of, kind of similar to that. Yeah. Which we did on, no, uh, for sure. that was episode eight of for sure. Prog notes. Um, yeah. if you want to go check that out, but yeah, that yeah. was a, uh, has kind of that similar sort of vibe to it, but yeah, it's it's weird. The only thing I can think, the only like general direction or any idea I can think of when it comes to what is this for, who made it, why does it even exist, or whatever, it really just comes back to the album title for a friend. Like it just seems like this is supposed to be a gift of some sort, or it's supposed to be just I don't know. It seems like it's really just supposed to be pleasant for the eye, but not really so much of a of a deeper meaning behind it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm getting from it. That's kind of like my bottom line. Yeah, I don't have a general takeaway. 
I just have a, a bunch of different uh, impressions. Yeah. The biggest, I think the biggest impression that I have is is really the bright colors. Colors like this is not normally used on a on a progressive rock album. I can't think I can't think of any other progressive rock album. Yeah, a lot of them seem a bit darker. They're a bit darker. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm you know I'm sitting here looking at my vinyl wall and I'm looking at animals and uh, I guess I guess selling England by the pound has some brighter colors, but they're not they're washed out. They're not as they're not as uh, concentrated as as this record. Um, in terms of like the, the the types of colors that they're using and stuff like that, you know, caressive steel. I'm looking at that. Uh, fragile by by yes, yeah, so, you know, it's it has like that dark blue outer uh you know edge to it. Uh, Fly by night by right. Rush. It's very dark, uh, dark blues once again. Uh, power windows by Rush is a guy sitting in a dark room. Um, Days of Future Past has some. I think that's probably the closest thing to this. That I'm that I can yeah. think of right now is Days of Future Past kind of has that sort of pastel. Co- the colors in there, look. Th- yeah. they seem a bit more saturated though in Days of Future Past. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. These this is a little bit more uh, wa- washed, but it's it's the combination of the colors really mm-hmm. is is what makes it interesting. So anyway, um, you have any other impressions? No, I, no, that's that's it. Perfect. Well, that ends our segment of illustrations and impressions. Well, we're doing it again. Okay. Okay, so Drew. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> so th- thoughts on the on just uh, musical musical opinions or uh, general takeaways uh, from the album, just stuff that you picked up on, on when listening to it. I have one thing that I want to show. It's, it's an audio file. Um, I didn't know if you want me to go and, and show that now or if you wanted to, uh, if you had something to say. No, go for it. Okay. Um, well, the, one thing I do, I did want to show, this is just, this is just a funny little tip. You guys know, I've, I've done this before on the show many times where I just find funny things and I just splice them together because it reminds me of something else, something uh, that, you know, whatever. And so on the song, the last song on the record, uh, Geranio, uh, yeah. is, uh, there's, there's one little section where that has like this big crash with, uh, uh, like a gong and it goes down into this little section and it reminded me of something. I want to play this for you guys just for fits and giggles. That's that's all I got for you. Jeez. That's all I got. It's just, <laughs> just the the we the we music. The we music just pops up. Boop, boop, doo, doo. It's just the t- the tone. Yeah. Of it just kind of reminded me of that. But anyway, totally. just funny funny little thing that I found. But anyway, um, one thing that they did on their first album, um, I don't know if you've heard it or not, Drew. Uh, but I have you have okay so one thing i think that they did on their first album was really expand the use of the violin on on the record and uh or excuse me 
on on this on this this album. record they expanded it this album. To the last sorry one. Yes. yes yes they they expanded the violin um the first album had a lot of flute on it which which i heard a lot of jethro toll i heard a lot of jethro toll in that with the flutes and such but this record i think features the violin especially in that section that i just played features the violin really well and it's what i one th- one thought that i had was that it's it's not like Days of Future Past, as I mentioned before, where the band and the strings sort of take this trade-off. Like, no, these these flutes and violins are placed seamlessly within the music. And I really yes. enjoy that because you can tell that they are a band member and not a featured artist or featured player that came in the studio to play a solo or something. It's like, hey, yeah, just play on top of this. Like it's uh, it's very similar to Gentle Giant, I think, where where they play a lot of instruments and they seamlessly place these uh, instruments outside of, I guess you could say, the nuclear rock band, um, w- including like flutes and violins and stuff like that. Just really gave it this very holistic feel to it. And I loved that. Um, I'm a sucker for strings, so I... I I really, I really enjoy the violin, and that was something that I really, really enjoyed about this record. Uh, so yeah, that's that's. I do too. There's, there's I do too. I, I yeah. like the incorporation of a lot of different things. I mean, yeah, they've got, like you said, they've got the violin. They've also got mandolin. They've got classical piano. Yeah, they right. do have flute. They have an organ in there, big, huge organ. Yep. They've got harps. They've got a, a spinet, kind of like a harpsichord. They've just, they've got a lot of stuff incorporated into this record and I, I really enjoy that and yeah that's why i can understand why people sometimes associate rpi uh with symphonic prog or at least this record because yeah i can i totally see the parallels there yeah definitely um yeah this was this was a this was a fantastic record there's a lot of material here and i really enjoy it and it's like you said earlier the word you used was nuanced and i agree yeah uh, but it's funny because there's also some stuff that's not nuanced and very abrupt like generale it right like that's a bizarre song that yeah. is so wonky there are so many mood changes just within that one piece this it's it, it, it's like rock rock isn't kind of zany at, at first kind of a fast tempo it's got like this intense guitar rift with the, kind of this coarse tone and then it gets pretty groovy like this really smooth bass line and the drummer is really really like the ride cymbal i don't know if you know what i mean yep during that where it's just really smooth and very groovy and they're all kind of locked in. And then it goes into this little like Renaissance March almost. Oh yeah. This flute and these snare rolls. And then they add like a little bit of the synthesizers just to come in with that and everything. And then it goes into this huge organ section, like a cathedral. And then like, it just changes completely at three Oh five. Then it just goes into this really choppy mandolin. And then violin comes in too. And it's just very different. And that's a good thing. It's also, I think, you know, some people might criticize that and say that's too abrupt. There's no, I don't know. I've gotten used to it. Maybe it's just, it's, it's yeah. just, I've gotten used to it. Yeah. That type of deal. But like, um, listen, listen to this and tell me that this doesn't sound like the very beginning of a King Crimson track. Like that sounds like something Fripp would do. It really does. Yeah, it does. That Absolutely. sounds like that totally sounds like something well, Fripp would do. Vocally, it reminds me of like the Moody Blues or Gentle Giant. It's nice soft vocals. They aren't too impressive on their own, but they add a lot of nice texture to, to these pieces. Yeah, definitely so, a, a textural 
add right. kind of like kind of like mood madness and uh yeah kind of that set kind of that sort of feel yeah i totally right. get that i think though but, if, if lyrics are more of a determining factor in deciding whether you like a record or not as an english speaker i think obviously this record this album being spoken in italian it'll be a bit difficult to enjoy maybe on a first I don't know. listen uh, if 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 that's something that's like you know somebody like my wife who's like when when they listen to something the first thing that they listen to normally is the is the lyrics i think now for all of us who are listening but if you have not heard a, a lot of prog- a progressive rock music uh there are some incredible vocalists out there but there are a lot of instrumental uh focused areas in in progressive rock music obviously and so if lyrics are something that draw you very heavily um that maybe maybe this record would be hard to get into or maybe you could just go check out photos of ghosts because you said that those lyrics are actually quite good yeah if you've never heard it before um but yeah and i don't think photos of ghosts is like an exact replica of this there are a couple of other pieces that they have on there yeah and in fact i don't know if they included every single song from this record but they included oh, quite really? a few and in fact il Benchetto they uh they kept the same they did not write english lyrics for that that one is still italian huh so interesting yeah yeah i it's just one of those things we have to kind of like i don't know i think the for somebody like me the music draws me a little bit more a little bit quicker than than the vocals but the vocals on this record are more of more of a texture and in, in my yeah opinion. i agree and but yeah. they're quite nice like they're pleasant and yeah absolutely uh the guy's voice is very um soothing yeah if i, I may say yeah um you but may. uh thanks i appreciate that yeah so but uh yeah ultimately really enjoyed this record it yeah. was it was a very very good piece it was a very good good album yeah, no, it's a great. I think Would it's a great recommend. Album. Yeah, I think the reviews are are, are a definite reflection. Uh, or I agree with the reviews. I agree with the rating on this album that you said it was like the an aggregate score of what four point five or something like that. Yeah. On you know, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, I think it's it's a phenomenal record. I think the drummer is almost like a Bill Bruford protege. I, okay. Like, yeah. He he has like a he sir, dude. Go back and listen to it and and feel it and just listen to like some of these sections and these parts that he's playing and even just the sound of his drums it sounds like early yes drums um but yes, also I the agree. way that he the, the way that he plays dude it's very bruford he's got some bruford chops yeah. in there um yeah, with I some of the stuff it. that he's doing and the very syncopated like it does a lot of syncopated snare placements and stuff like that it's super bill bruford so as a drummer i really enjoyed his his drumming on the record uh as well as a lot of the textures and stuff like that so it was really great so yeah any last thoughts no i think no? we've kind of wrapped it all up yeah that was really good highly recommend go check this record out go check out rpi and uh tell us tell us what you think about about this record so we would like to thank everybody so much for listening to our podcast these are our prog notes if you enjoyed the episode learn something new from this episode please subscribe we would really appreciate that conversation though does not have to stop here in this episode's description you can join our discord server which is just a chat server for all of our prog rock fans and fans of the show uh feel free it's free to come we have an entire community of prog rock fans and people who just who love this type of music that we just talk and we chat about the music that we love and maybe you'll find a record from one of these guys in in the uh 
in the Discord that you may have never heard before. Uh, I can attest to at least a lot of people who have currently experienced that. So um, you can also follow us on Instagram and or Facebook. You can join our free Prognotes community, which will give you access to our monthly newsletter. And if you enjoy our content and would like to support our show in exchange for some great benefits, please consider checking out our Patreon page. Uh, once again, all of these links, everything that I mentioned are in this episode's description. Uh, so Drew, why don't you go ahead and tell us what our patrons voted on for the next record? You guys voted uh, and you decided on Land Animal by Bent Knee. So on January 15th, that's what we're going to be discussing. I'm excited. I've heard this record a lot of times over the last three years. It came out in 2017. Very new record, new band. I don't think a whole lot of people know about them. And uh, I'm excited to talk about them because they have a lot to offer. And, uh, and especially this record is fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. It's great. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prog Rock. See you guys on Discord. Thanks. Thanks.